You are listening to Alter Echo, a scripture and message podcast with pastors Andy Smith and Kim Kylo of St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us and worshiping with us. Well, hello, everyone. Good to be with you on Alter Echo here. This weekend, we move from April into May. May 1st is Sunday, May Day. And we are trying to work our way into spring here in Minnesota, but on this day that I'm taping this podcast with you, it is cold once again. I've got a hot cup of coffee here at the table in my office. So it is what it is. Every year is different, and we're grateful for another day to live by God's grace. Good to be with you today. We're going to break into John chapter 21. We're going to read really essentially the full last chapter of the Gospel of John today. And so I'll invite you to take your Bibles out if you've got them with you. But I do want to remind us of the fact that we always keep um, holding together everything that's in the context of our lives right now. Sometimes people get weary about talking about things like the war, and here it's only been going on for two months, but it's been two atrocious outrageous, tragic months. War is never, ever good in any situation. And we find ourselves in this uh, time wondering how this awful war that was begun and, and uh, done so unprovoked by Russia, by Vladimir Putin over Ukraine, is going to end. And we keep praying, we keep trusting our leaders, we keep trying to stay on top of the news and on what we can do to not just pray, but to help in any ways we can, be supportive of uh, the good defeating the bad, good defeating evil in this case, um, in this awful war. So I'm going to invite you to continue to pray with me for Ukraine and for this to come to an end so that the world can start to return to something again. Today's sermon will will touch on uh, the differences between how we look at what our role is in this world. And we have to do that. We, We should want to do that. We are disciples of Jesus Christ, and disciples are the ones who are the ambassadors, the voice pieces, the, the mind of God for a world that God wants to see and wills to be at peace. We are here to, to follow that and do our part and to set aside things, to decidedly set aside things that are not of, of God's will, that are not um, things that help peace come about, that are not things that uh, help end violence and things like this. So thank you for coming along with me today. Open your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 21. I'm going to read verses 1 through 19 today for us, and then we'll reflect on it. Here's what the gospel writer says. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, 
cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not want to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Dear friends, this is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So if you go on a little bit of a journey with me to Peter and Jesus talking with each other and being together, I think that's our best place to start today. I want to call this sermon Gift and Response, even though in the Brian McLaren chapter it's called The Uprising of Discipleship, but that's exactly what discipleship is. It's it's gift from God to disciples in its response from disciples back to God or back to Jesus. What did you do when you were a child? What, what, did, what did your parents teach you and what do we teach our own kids about what we're to do when we receive a gift from somebody? <laughs> My mom was a real stickler on this and I'm so thankful for that because it's the right thing. Whenever we got a gift, of course, we sat right down and wrote out a thank you note and got it in the mail right away. So the person that gave the gift knew that we were really aware of that person's love, generosity, joy at giving the gift. Didn't matter what the gift is because the gift is is the property of the giver. You know, the giver gets to do and give what the giver wants to give. The recipient just receives. The recipient doesn't call the shots on gifts. And this is the interesting part about gifts. Gifts are the, 
or the property of the giver until it's handed off and given, and then the receiver simply receives the gift. No matter what it is, and it has come from the heart of the giver, and the receiver says, thank you. The receiver shows gratitude and humility because the gift was the thoughtfulness of the giver and the generosity of the giver. So I think this applies today. Go with me to that exchange between Jesus and Peter. Peter, from the time he denied Jesus three times before the crucifixion, about which he had to have felt monumentally guilty and ashamed and even almost deadened, that he would deny knowing Jesus after he was one of his chief followers for three and a half years. Fast forward to this story, and here's Peter out in the boat, and he understands finally that it's Jesus there on the shore seeing him, and and, and the odd scene is that he's naked in the boat. He's being himself without being noticed by Jesus, but as soon as he is, as soon as he's aware of being in the presence of Jesus, he puts clothes on because he's guilty still. He wants to be covered up. He wants there to be a barrier between those deep feelings of guilt and, and sadness and, and pain that he hurt his Lord and let him go to a death on a cross. So he gets in the water and even tries to make the water be a barrier between him and Jesus. But, you know, that can't last very long. I suppose, in a way, you can only tread water for so long. So he finally had to come in, and there Jesus was. And, and they're on the shore, and Jesus provides shore lunch for him and for all the other fishermen, all the disciples and others that were there. It's one of my favorite scenes in the Bible because I really don't think there's anything too much better in life than some fresh-caught walleye sizzling in a cast iron pan over an open fire on the shore of a lake. We could talk about that for a long time because I've got a lot of those stories. But then it all comes together after breakfast. And Jesus invites Peter into this one-on-one, this conversation. And here's what Jesus does. He gives an incredible gift Peter, do you love me? It's a test of sorts, I suppose, because we make choices in life whether we know it or not. But he's giving Peter much more than a test question. He's giving him an opportunity to redeem himself. And Peter knows this, but he doesn't want to admit it. Peter, do you love me more than anything else? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Here is chance to redeem yourself, number one, after denying Jesus the first time, just days before. And then Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. Let the love that I am giving you be your response of gratefulness, gratitude back to me, but your response of love to the world because you've been first loved. Feed my lambs. Do something life-giving. Let your whole life now be a life-giving gift to somebody else, specifically to the people I love. 
And then Jesus says a second time, Peter, do you love me? This isn't just test question number two. This is redemption opportunity number two. And Peter, still being defensive, still being a human being, struggling with guilt and shame at what he did, says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus, in giving this gift of redemption opportunity number two, to to redeem himself, Jesus says to him, Peter, tend my sheep. I've given you the gift of love and renewal, forgiveness, welcome. I'm looking in your eyes and my look at you is with eyes of love, not anything else. And I'm giving you this gift freely, graciously, gracefully. And I want you then to tend my sheep, to go out, look after people, bring them safely into a fold, Don't let them be gone astray. Don't let them do themselves in. Take care of them. Take care of my people. Be my love for people in the world and and talk about it and show it. Model it. This is what disciples do. Hmm. And then finally a third time, Jesus looks at Peter, eyes of love, and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, with one last gasp of humanity, of defensiveness, of frustration even, but you know what it's coming from. It's all coming out of his own shame, his own knowledge of his failure. And Jesus, overlooking all of that failure and still giving him a chance, says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Why are you asking me this all the time? And Jesus doesn't even bat an eye, doesn't bite at all, and says, Peter, feed my sheep. Be a feeder. Be a life giver. So Jesus gave Peter's life back to him. Three times Peter denied Jesus, and three times Jesus gave his life back to him, forgave him, loved him all over again, gave him brand new life and and renewal How can we not see that this story at the end of John, the very last chapter of this gospel, the last word that God leaves us with in Jesus, that Jesus leaves us with, is a story of forgiveness and a story of Jesus' continuing grace and abundant love that we are meant to see is the way God wants us to be in the world. This is what discipleship is. An uprising of discipleship is all about a response on our part to a gift of grace that is so big it's far beyond our grasp and understanding. But it's so good and big because it can give life out of death. It can give life of something that otherwise would be three strikes and we are out. Not with Jesus. There might be three strikes, but we're never out with Jesus. Jesus gives us three opportunities again to be redeemed, to see it, to grasp it and embrace it, and finally, most importantly, to give thanks for it with our lives. Everyone, we somehow have been led to believe that true strength in this world is things like violence or intimidation 
or shame, shaming somebody else, or wealth that makes us better than others, or popularity, or having to, the ability to control others, or exclusion of others, that we are in control of that, or ridicule. Think of how many people live thinking that this is what true strength is. It's far, far from the truth. All of those things diminish other people. How can strength be something that tears other people down? How can strength be something that, that gets in the way of good relationships and goodness in this life? It can't. None of those is true strength. And that's the kind of stuff that when we realize we are disciples, we shun, we shed, we, we say no to. We don't allow ourselves to be those kinds of people. Those are very specific. Anytime we operate in those kinds of ways, we are not giving any nourishment or feeding to anybody around us. In fact, we are taking it away. We are darkening people's souls and even their sense of them themselves. That's not what strength is. True strength is love. Love always builds up. By definition, it just happens. When you love somebody, they are always built up. There's never any other sense about the outcome. Love fills people's hearts. Love gives inclusion and belonging. Love creates joy. Love binds people to each other. Love gives care and concern. Love builds abundance. Love never ends, the Bible says. We know this. You can't ever love too much. That love would run out because it never does. Love always creates more love. So today, everyone, I want you to hear this. This sermon is about gift and response. Every bit of what Jesus does for us is gift. And it's gift that is life-giving. And our response to that needs to happen just like we need to send a thank you card for any giver who gives a gift to us. Our response needs to be a response of thanks that then emulates our giver, God. And that with the rest of our lives, facing forward, moving ahead, in faith and trust, in hope, in joy over God, and in love, we are the ones that go out into the world to tend God's sheep to feed his lambs, and to take care of his flock. Will you join me in this? If you do, you will, with me, see our Lord looking at us in our eyes, with his eyes of love and gratitude as well. God be with you, dear friends, this week, as an uprising of discipleship continues to happen through us. Amen. And now God's word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live. Everyone, if you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button 
and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.